Uh, I'm going to read the word to you today. And it's taken from Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. Devote yourself, therefore. Let me try again. I practice with a different version. Devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am changed. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Let's take a moment to pray. Thank you, God, for your word, your written word. Lord, thank you that as we uh, open the pages of the Bible, uh, you are always faithful to speak to us, that we would encounter uh, the spirit of Jesus, the living word uh, in your written word. We ask that as we reflect on these words this morning, you open our hearts. Uh, Lord, that what we've just read in that scripture about having an open door, that the, the, the door of our hearts would be open this morning, God. Before we pray that for others, would you open the door of our hearts to receive what you would want to show us? Lord, we pray you'd remove distractions and uh, worries and other things that might seek to get in the way of us uh, having our minds renewed and transformed by you this morning. We pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Alrighty. So, uh, we're in a series called The Ripple Effect, and uh, this is about learning together how to share our faith so that uh, Jesus' work in our lives will ripple out into the lives of others. Jesus' work in our lives, what he's doing in here, will ripple out to others. And uh, what Francis has just read, you may recognize, uh, is the passage that James kicked off our series with two weeks ago. I'm not going to repeat James's sermon, don't worry about that. Um, but I want to look at these verses, uh, these five verses again, just from a slightly different angle. Uh, in fact, Julianne um, Laird, who's going to preach for us in a couple of months' time, uh, she's the co-creator of the Ripple Effect Bible study material. She's also going to be preaching for the, from this passage. So it's kind of a theme passage that we'll keep coming back to again and again during this focus, this training, this uh, series. What I want to focus on today, though, is the wisdom that we find here in relation to prayer. The wisdom we find in relation to prayer and prayer's role in evangelism, in making disciples, in, in sharing our faith. Uh, why is prayer so significant? In this passage, first uh, Colossians 4, 2-6, Paul is teaching the Colossians about evangelistic relationships, but he doesn't start the whole thing with, okay, brothers and sisters, get your testimony right. Uh, he doesn't start with, be prepared to give an answer for your faith, like in First Peter. He doesn't uh, start with, you, may, you must understand how to explain the good news. You must really be practiced in that. The first three verses, the place he begins, is about prayer. 
And then verses 5 and 6 are about that conversation and relationship. And it's only with anticipation that God will answer prayers, our prayers, those prayers, that he advises them on how to approach conversations, how to approach sharing and engaging in conversation with people far from God. James said it this way two weeks ago. Uh, If you were here, James Duff kicked off our, our series and he said, if all we ever do is pray for people who are far from God, then we will see people come to faith. That's the only thing we did. It would be the only thing we would, we would make sure we do. Now, James also went on to say something very, very challenging, and I felt like, oh, as much as you probably did when he said this. He said, if you can't share your faith as a Christian, that's not good enough. You need to learn it. Um, and again, I, I was like, okay, yep, I, that's an ouch moment for me too. So it wasn't like, no, no, just pray, just pray, just pray. We need to learn as well. We need to learn to share. It's not good enough. We need to mature in this. But Paul says that that learning starts here. Devote yourselves to prayer. The first line, devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. Can we just put the the scripture back up on the screen if that's possible, Dean? This is where the whole thing begins. Devote yourselves to prayer. He goes on and gives some advice on that, and then from there, in anticipation of how God will answer those prayers, now we think about how we converse and relate with people. Now, I, um, I have a confession to make this morning. Uh, I struggle on a regular basis to believe that God really does answer prayer. More often than not, I think to myself, you know what, in, the, in relation to this particular circumstance, I could pray right now, but if I'm honest, what I think is it would be more productive if I just get on and do something to try and reach the goal than if I pray. And here's what that unfortunately reveals about my faith and about my mindset. It reveals that this is what I think. I know better than God. I know better than God. It's better if I just get on and do what I know to do rather than asking him to do what he can do. Now, I know this is absolutely ludicrous to say I know better than God, and there's no way I'd ever say that from this pulpit. (laughs) Except that it doesn't matter what I say up here or what I talk about with my friends in a Bible study or say say to, to someone else. It's what's in my heart and what I really do choose when it comes to a choice to pray or not. And too often, what my choice is reveals that my belief is this, I know better than God. I know better than God. Because far too often, I choose not over prayer, especially when it comes to praying for someone and that, that, that relationship with them, a discipling relationship, an opportunity to speak into their life. Now, by God's grace, I think that's shifting for me Because I'm beginning to see that when I pray, especially when I pray for people who are far from God, and when I pray for opportunities to share faith with them, here's what I've begun to notice. God always answers. And maybe part of my I know better than God thing was because I had a false belief that "Mm, sometimes God answers, but often he doesn't. That's not true. God always answers, and I'm beginning to see that. It's not always immediately. It's not always how I thought he would answer. 
but God always answers. Uh, one time I was, just to illustrate the, you know, the different time frames in which God answers, one time I was walking past a house in my neighbourhood where I, I, I knew that there was a young family who lived there, mostly because there's like some toys and stuff out the front, and I, and I prayed, God, can you provide a way for me to meet and get to know that family? That prayer was answered over the course of about 12 months, and now they're some of our best friends and it's leading to other evangelistic opportunities. On the other hand, one time I prayed, God, please soften the heart of this person I'm about to meet with and help them see who Jesus really is as I was driving to meet with a friend. And that prayer was answered like 40 minutes later. 12 months, 40 minutes. But the consistent thing was God answered the prayer in his timing the way he knew best. And, and I know I'm an incredibly slow learner, but I'm just slowly realizing, wow. God really does answer these prayers because he's actually, he actually is really, really good and loving and he really does care. And for me, that's the motivation. The, this is my point in sharing my lack of faith here this morning. This is the motivation. God answers these prayers. It's the motivation to do what Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer. When it comes to praying for people far from God, which is uh, what Paul's talking about here, what does that look like? What's the practical wisdom here? Okay, we've, we, we've got the motivation. Hopefully you are motivated to do this, to devote yourself to prayer. But what's, what's the practical wisdom here? If we go on and we, we keep reading, I notice four things, and I'm hoping this is helpful for us this morning. Four pieces of advice, practical wisdom in praying for those in our lives who don't know the Lord. Firstly, watchful prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer being watchful. I think one of the best uh, things we can pray is, Lord, show me what you're doing. Give me eyes to see, right? Give, give me your eyes, Jesus, in this environment. Help me to see what you see. Uh, Christopher Wright says it this way. It's not so much the case that God has a mission for his church in the world as that God has a church for his mission in the world. Mission was not made for the church. The church was made for mission, that is, God's mission. Now, let me put that another way. What he's saying is God is on a mission. God is active in the world. He's active in people's lives. He's active in their hearts, in their families, to draw them into his love. And God's mission is, is broader than that. And there's, 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 we can spend hours unpacking that. But God wants to redeem and restore people to relationship with himself. And that is God's mission. That is what God is doing. And so our job is not to create another one and ask God to jump in what we're doing. Our job is to look. Where is God? on his glorious and wonderful and joy-filled mission around us in people I know. God, help me to see that, because then we can step into that space. It's amazing how the last person you'd expect to be open to Jesus is the one you realize in the end is most hungry for meaning and truth and the good news of Jesus when we ask God to give us his perspective, I didn't know they'd even be interested in this, God. And, 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 and look, they're asking me questions now because we prayed. 
God, help me to be watchful. The second bit of practical wisdom here, I think, is hugely important for myself, to be thankful. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And this is also about keeping our perspective right. Yeah, like I get lazy and distracted in relation in evangelism, in relationship with non-Christians, when I get grumpy and discouraged. God, there's nothing happening. God, why aren't we getting anywhere? You know, God, I, I, we've, I've, nothing's coming up in conversation. Here's a really damaging one. God, I'm just not cut out for this. Anyone ever thought or prayed that before? God, I've messed this up. God, send someone else. Send a real evangelist. You know, those ones James talked about, the gifted evangelist. <laughs> Don't use me, God. That kind of self-talk and, 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 and kind of the opposite of thankful prayer, it, it doesn't help us be faithful sharers of the gospel. But on the other hand, thankfulness for what God is doing, even if it's the smallest thing. God, I prayed that you would open their heart just a little and, and, and we got to talk about something deeper today. You're amazing, God. God, we prayed that Martin would get to have faith conversations, and he's had three this term. You're amazing, God. God, I prayed that I'd get to meet a family uh, at that house as I walked, and 12 months later, they're like our best friends, and you just went above and beyond on that one, God. I'm so thankful. Thankful. Thankful prayer. Besides the fact that cynical, grumpy Christians are just people who turn others off, we need to cultivate this attitude for our own benefit, to spur us on, to stay devoted, to go, God, I'm thankful that you are at work and so I'm believing more and more every day that you could be at work even more. Watchful prayer, thankful prayer. Third piece of advice I think is here is um, praying for open doors and open hearts. The next uh, verse in the, the passage is, is actually a request to pray for Paul and his companions, but it's actually prayer so that uh, God may open a door for their message. This is about the people in our lives who are, who are uh, far from God. Pray for an open door to share and an open heart in them to receive. The, the, the thing that I find helpful about this is that um, is, this, is this reminder that, that I, so you and I, can't convert anyone. It's not possible. I, I can't even get my kids to pick up the toys from the floor, let alone get someone to change their heart and mind and make Jesus the king of their life. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. But God can, right? God can soften hearts. God can change minds. Do you know why? Because I know he did it in me, the arrogant, selfish 16-year-old who was insecure and broken, and then um, I, I, I just, through a series of events, God softened my heart, and he revealed his love to me. And now I have purpose for my life and I know what I'm meant to be doing and I know he loves me. Do you have a story like that? What was that again? Yeah, 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 yeah. Simon, what was it? Yes, good. I got a few more. Rachel picked up last week. A few more people. 15-second testimony. Anyway, sorry, I got distracted there. That wasn't in my script. 
learning to share our story, learning to share our testimony. Where was I? Um, God can soften hearts. He's done it in me. He's done it in so many of us. He can do it in others. He can change minds. He can orchestrate events he can, uh, that, that will cause people to, to, to question and explore. He can do anything he needs to do to win a person to himself because he loves them. And he's powerful. But he's waiting for us. He's waiting for us to ask him to do this. Um, someone asked me this question uh, a, a few months or so ago, and it just, it just challenged me so deeply. Here's the question. If God answered every prayer you prayed in the last seven days, like if, he had, if God had immediately answered every prayer you prayed in the last seven days, how many people would be Christians today that weren't Christians seven days ago? Oh, I remember when I got asked, I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> zero. Even this week, I wrote this sermon and put it in my notes. I think the answer is still two. Right, But I would hope that if, if I'm praying for even five or six people every week, God, soften their heart, Lord, lead them to you. Bring them into your kingdom, into your family, believing that God wants to answer those prayers. Of course, he's going to answer sometimes in 12 months, sometimes in 40 minutes. Sometimes he's going to answer those prayers over 20 years or 40 years. I remember speaking to someone in this congregation and said, I've been praying for this neighbor for I think it was like 30 years they just gave their heart to the Lord. God's timing is right. In fact, I remember one time I was, uh, Karen and I were getting to know this couple. And um, I remember it it wasn't really going anywhere, but the Lord said to me very clearly, um, if nothing happened for 10 years, 20 years, would you keep praying for them, Luke? Will we do that? Would we keep praying for our friends that God would soften their heart and they would come to know his love? Are we asking him to open doors and open hearts? Finally, uh, this is a call, and, and there's some practical advice here, to pray for each other as we share our faith. Right? We do this together. Pray. Paul says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Pray for me. We're not meant to do this alone. We're meant to journey with each other in this call and in this journey. We can uphold each other in prayer as we journey with people far from God and as we pray for them, whether it's in your life group, whether it's here, whether it's with a, just one other person. There's a resource that I um, came across that I found really helpful when it comes to this watchful prayer and thankful prayer and prayer for open doors, prayer for each other. Um, it's, it's actually uh, just a guide to pray according to the scriptures. Pray what the Bible prays and guides us to pray when it comes to praying for others. And so this is um, just a, 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 like a page from a little course I did once. And um, there's a, a number of prayers um, with a scripture verse at the end because it's essentially a prayer adapted by that verse. Lord, draw name. So every time you put the person's name in, draw a person to yourself. Let's just call the person Joe. Lord, help Joe seek to know you. Acts 17.27. Lord, help Joe hear and believe the word of God. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Lord, prevent Satan from blinding Joe to the truth. 2 Corinthians 4. And it just goes on. There's about 10 verses there and a, and a, and a prayer. I sometimes just go, God, I don't have the energy to, to, to really have some great prayer time this morning. I'm going to simply pray this over a friend. 
these 10 things straight from Scripture, praying Scripture, a very powerful thing. I've printed about 15 copies of this and left them on the Connect desk out there if that would help you. So this passage on the screen, if we can have that back again, is not uh, just about prayer, of course. Paul goes on to talk about how we act and converse and be prepared to share. But I love what um, Julianne Laird, who's the co-creator of the Ripple Effect Studies, um, I love what she says about the relationship between prayer and sharing our faith. She says, in anticipation of God answering prayers, in anticipation of God answering prayers, Paul encourages the Colossians to live and speak in ways that encourage conversations about who Jesus is and the difference knowing Jesus makes. We can be tempted to see prayer as just prayer, but because it is prayer to the sovereign God, it creates ripples that end up changing people's lives. Because it's prayer to the sovereign God, the powerful God, the amazing God, the loving God that we serve. And so having looked at some practical wisdom on how to pray, um, I hope that might be helpful for you, those four things. But I want to come back to the opening words of this passage because I think this is actually our greatest challenge. The first words, first four words, devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. In watchfulness, thankfulness, intercession, Devote yourself. Now, when you devote yourself to something, uh, what do you do? You, you, you give significant time and energy to it, right? So let's say I want to lose weight. If you go for a jog, if I go for a jog and eat a salad, I probably won't lose weight. If I devote myself to jogging and consistently eating healthy, what's the difference? You're almost guaranteed to lose weight. There's a difference between just going for a jog, eating a salad, and, and doing that consistently in a devoted way in terms of the impact it has. If you enrol in university, you may or may not learn a few valuable skills, depending on whether you attend classes or not. If you devote yourself to studies in a particular area, though, you'll almost certainly become equipped and qualified in that field. If you come to church, you might benefit from some of the conversations and the sermon on that particular day, if you devote yourself to Christian community, you will almost certainly grow and mature and find God among his people. Paul doesn't say, hey, friends, hey, Colossian friends, say a prayer for me. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. Uh, I was thinking about this thing, okay, well, what does devotion take, Lord? What's, the, what's, what's this really mean? And here's the, the four things that, that sort of come to mind for me. Focus, and I'm sorry I didn't put these up, but um, I can, I'll probably send them out this week. It's just a little follow-up. Uh, focus, like I, I'm, I give my attention to something. Sacrifice, there's, there's other stuff to set aside if you're going to devote yourself to something. Um, humility, I've actually got a lot to learn here, God, right? And motivation. It's hard to devote yourself to something if you're not motivated, if there's not a reason to do it. And so focus, sacrifice, humility, motivation, you might ask yourself, okay, what's distracting me? I know for me it's like if, I, if there was no such thing as social media in the last 12 months, I probably would have prayed more for my friends 
who are far from God. Uh, what's more important to you? What needs to be sacrificed? You know, I know for me it's been and continues to be actually painful to prioritise evangelism because it means giving up other things that I want to spend my time on or that other people want me to spend my time on or that seem to be priorities. It's a sacrifice to make space for this mission of God. Humility. What do I need to learn? Sometimes it's a big chunk of humble pie to go, actually, I'm, I don't quite know what I'm doing in this space. The humility to say, I need to grow, I need to learn, teach me, Lord. And finally, motivation. What's going to spur you on? Thankfully, in, in my life, I'm, I'm finding myself now to be more motivated than ever to join God in reaching people far from God with the gospel. And this is where I began, right? The motivation that God, wow, God actually answers prayers. I've begun to see God at work in beautiful, uh, in beautiful ways in people's lives outside the church. I've, I've discovered the joy of this calling, that it's not like, oh, I've just got to grit my teeth and do evangelism because, you know, uh, the Bible says so, but the joy in being involved in this way and letting God use you in this way. And I've realized it's more about what he can do than about what I can do. That's a relief. <laughs> Anyone feel that? It's a relief that it's more about what God can do than what you can do, than what I can do. Most of all, I'm beginning to understand that uh, he does incredible things through ordinary people, ordinary Christians like you and I, when we're on our knees, when we go to him first in prayer, when we devote ourselves to prayer. Uh, he's not looking for giftedness or talent. He's looking for devotion. He's not looking for giftedness. He's not looking for talent. He's not looking for skills. He's looking for devotion. So here endeth the main part of the sermon. That's, that's what I kind of want to leave that with. There is one final thing I want to say, though. Uh, having thought about some simple encouragements and practical ways, some this encouragement to devote ourselves. Um, but I want to finish with a few words to stir up some of you um, who have a deeper hunger. And everything I've said today, you're like, yep, cool, got all that. Like, that's, that's good, Luke, I'm same page. Um, and I am devoting myself to prayer for the people in my life um, uh, who are far from God. But you are hungering for more. And you need motivation for an even greater devotion to prayer in this area. So just for the next few minutes, I want to uh, stir you, if I may, to something deeper. I want to talk for a second about Asprey. Now, lots of people are talking about it. Some are excited by it. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Who knows what I'm talking about? Okay, at least a few. Um, Asbury University. It sounds like, okay, what, what does that have anything to do with us? But uh, let me tell you the story of something that happened about four weeks ago. Um, a Christian university called Asbury University in Kentucky, USA. If I had my southern accent on this morning, I'd say that. You know, southern accent, but I'll, I'll muck it up. Um, 
Kentucky uh, Asbury University, they had their weekly chapel service, as they always do on a Wednesday morning at nine o'clock for students and staff. There was nothing particularly special about this particular uh, chapel service. In fact, uh, later on, the guy who gave the sermon that day said it was a pretty average sermon. Um, It wasn't anything special. However, 24 hours later, that chapel service with you know, probably a few hundred students in the, in the chapel area and stuff. Um, that chapel service 24 hours later was still going with hundreds of people in the room worshipping God, uh, sharing testimonies, standing up and confessing sin, coming to the altar, um, just, just meeting with God in a really, really profound way. 48 hours later, it was still going. 72 hours later, still going. Five days later, seven days later, two weeks later, and by this point, thousands and thousands of people from all over the USA had driven in or flown in to try to get a seat for a while in this now 24-hour-a-day worship gathering that began in a service much like this at a Christian university. Reports are that the carpet near the stage, like this kind of area, was wet from the tears of people in prayer constantly at the front of the room. I listen every now and then to an Australian pastor by the name of John Tyson who ministers in New York, and I listen, I, I, I listen to when he shared about his visit. He went down and visited and, and spent some time there, and he said this, there was nothing particularly special about it on the, on the surface, went into the room, into the, the thing, what was happening, and he said it felt like kind of a, a, a badly organised Baptist service or something like that. <laughs> like that was his reflection initially. However, um, despite the fact that the music wasn't very polished and it was kind of a bit chaotic and whatnot, he said um, after a while of just sitting in the room, the experience of God's presence in the room was so profound that when he looked at his watch... He thought 30 minutes had passed and it was six hours. He was just so caught up in God's, you know, what God was doing there. And, and the, he said, I think he's described it as the waves of God's presence. This is what, what has happened at Asbury University over the last three, four weeks, is what has been referred to throughout Christian history as a renewal or a uh, awakening or, or sometimes a revival. Now, Sadly, that term revival in particular has come to mean a variety of things, sometimes with quite negative connotations. It's kind of concocted by human beings. We're going to have a revival kind of thing, and it's not really what, uh, you know, it's not really what we're talking about here. Um, A true, extraordinary move of God's Holy Spirit in a particular place or setting uh, that would usually be termed a renewal or a, or a revival is marked by a few things usually. And I've done some study on this over the last couple of years. It's usually marked by a few things. No human celebrities, deep repentance and prayer, an acceleration of the normal work of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's always working in people's lives, but it's like it speeds up. It's extra sort of special. It's also usually marked by many people coming to faith, non-Christians becoming Christians, and by people of faith embracing the call to be sent out on mission to proclaim the gospel, like I talked about with the Moravian revival a few weeks ago. 
And all of these things, no human celebrity, deep repentance and prayer, acceleration of God's work, conversions and being sent out on mission, all of this has been happening at Asbury University. And while it's early days, it looks to be spreading to other places, other college campuses as well. Now, I could share a ton more on what's happening there, what I've learned about revivals and renewals in history and all that kind of thing, what it might mean for us. That's for another day. You might be wondering, what the heck does this have to do with prayer and evangelism, Luke? For now, I just want to say this. As reports of this move of God, this this thing that is happening spread around the world, many of you have heard about it. And as people have asked, why is this happening? What sparked this? What's this all about? One thing, if you listen to the commentators and people who are speaking about this, one thing has slowly become clear. For many, many years, students and staff at that university have devoted themselves to prayer. It's not like God went, oh, what should I do today? Asprey, let's have some fun there. Of course, God is sovereign and God will do what he wants whenever he wants. But for many years, students and staff, it's very clear, have been fervently, devotedly praying that God would humble them, that God would bring the lost home, that God would be glorified in and through them, humble, focused, sacrificial, devoted prayer. And so I want to share that this morning. Some of you have probably been waiting weeks for me to share something on it. But I want to share that this morning because I'm calling those of you who aren't satisfied with the way things are to pray. I'm calling those of you who are, you know God's more powerful and more amazing than we could possibly imagine. Devote yourselves to prayer. I'm calling those of you whose hearts break knowing that thousands of people in our region are heading for an eternity without God. Friends, devote yourselves to prayer. I'm committing that myself. I know I won't do it perfectly and none of us will, but let's devote ourselves to prayer. And who knows what we might see God do. Amen? Father, I just want to ask that this morning you would shift something in us as a people, as a community, as a church. Lord, that something would would change and that we would be all the more motivated all the more willing to sacrifice, all the more willing to humble ourselves and to focus our attention to being on our knees before you, praying for the region around us, praying for the people in our lives, praying that your church would step up into the mission that you have in the world, Lord God. Father, break our hearts for what breaks yours, I pray. In Jesus' name.